summer except right here in northeast ohio good day everybody happy wednesday and you're listening to weather jazz a world audience podcast about anything and everything weather science earth science astronomy as in today and periodically mostly on fridays off topic episodes i am your host and the creator of the weather jazz podcast andre bernier I'm the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio. This is episode number 312 for Wednesday, March 30th, 2022. We are indeed getting ready to slip into a brand new month, April. Hopefully a little kinder, a little gentler than what we've seen so far in the month of March, which has been all over the place. When you go from three days of consecutive 70-degree temperatures to a couple of episodes of snow, it's kind of tough to take. But hey, this is life in Northeast Ohio. And just in case you are from a different part of either the USA or maybe the world, you now understand that this is the case here in the Ohio Valley in the month of March and in April, the months that are the most eclectic and the craziest with the biggest temperature swings on our calendar. And today's going to be a great example of that. Since early this morning, we had a period of rain and snow mixed at Akron Canton, Youngstown. Here at the Weather Jazz Studios, I woke up at 3.30 to the sound of sleet pinging on our roof. And now the sun is coming out and driving temperatures up very, very quickly. By the end of the day, it's entirely possible that many backyard thermometers will begin to approach 70. Oh boy, this is an interesting time indeed. Severe weather likely today in the Gulf Coast states. In fact, the Storm Prediction Center putting out a moderate risk of severe weather. The entire state of Mississippi and the surrounding states, including eastern Louisiana, Arkansas, and western Alabama, and a little chunk of Tennessee in the southwestern corner near Memphis. And it is going to be an active weather day, and that's the kind of volatile situation we see with very eclectic, highly volatile temperature swings up and down. It's at least one of the ingredients. Not all of the ingredients, but they are coming together today In the south-central states, I will post a map on episode number 312 for those interested so you can see the moderate risk area. It's quite impressive. It's quite large. And so I suspect that we'll be hearing about that in a squall line 
moving through Mississippi during the day today. Well, today is Science Wednesday, and we will be continuing our tour of our astronomical backyard, the solar system, which is truly fascinating when you start digging into some of the specifics of some of the objects. Not boring at all. Everything out there really has a unique story to tell. And we have a special guest coming on the program today. His name is Jay Reynolds. He is a research astronomer with Cleveland State University. And he's been a longtime friend of the Fox 8 weather team and uh, certainly somebody that we've gotten to know very, very well. Always willing to help when it comes to things astronomy. So I thought I would invite him on the program today to talk about two of the four Galilean moons that are pushing around Jupiter. We could have taken all four all at once, but both of them have such unique properties that I really wanted to take our time and maybe take two at a time, two this week and two next week. So when we come back from the break, my conversation with Dr. Jay Reynolds about Ganymede and Callisto, you don't want to miss it. It is out of this world. Jay Reynolds is now with us on Weather Jazz. Uh, Welcome to Weather Jazz, Jay. It's good to have you. Good to see you. Now, we're doing uh, some interesting solar system tours, uh, what I call our astronomical backyard, because there's so much interesting right here in our very own solar system. Of course, the universe is, is certainly very interesting, but... There's so much going on here that I thought we'd take some of the objects and really do a study on each one or uh, certainly grouping. And the grouping I want to start with today are the Galilean satellites around Jupiter. And there's a reason they're called Galilean satellites. Would you kindly enlighten us as to what that's all about? Sure, sure. Uh, You were absolutely correct about how... Our solar system is so fascinating. I'm a planetary astronomer. I study asteroids and how they move and uh, and what they're composed of. And I've been a part of three missions involved with that. But at the same time, we have right in our own backyard, the Galilean moons or satellites, as they're called, because a little uh, guy by the name of Mr. Galileo himself he had a telescope. He was not the first person to have a telescope or, or use it. It was a curiosity more than anything else. However, Mr. Galileo, what he decided to do was he was the first to systematically study the heavens with his telescope. And what he learned is that these objects, these interesting objects, they knew about uh, Mars and Mercury and Venus and and these five celestial objects up in the sky and how they would move. But there was still that big question, does Earth go around the sun or does the sun go around the Earth? Well, he found, interestingly, with his telescope that that these objects that he could see four little dots next to Jupiter. And he was the first one to really take a close look at Jupiter and and its features. But he noticed these four dots went around Jupiter in a very systematic manner. 
And he deduced from that these these four objects must be orb going around orbiting uh, this larger object. So it makes sense. They pretty much knew from the shadows of the eclipses that the Earth was smaller than the sun. So it makes sense that Earth must also go around the sun mm-hmm. and that the idea that the sun goes around us is not true. Well, he was hauled before the Inquisition and told, you're under house arrest basically for the rest of your life. So good luck with that. <laughs> oh, boy. But uh, he, in fact, um, is credited with understanding that there are moons going around Jupiter. And obviously, Absolutely. yeah, it's not the it's not the only I think there are something like 50 ish moons going around Jupiter uh, right now. Well, that- it's a- it depends on how you want to label them. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. I consider a moon something large that you can land a spacecraft on and, and maybe explore a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so where do you draw the line? Yeah, there's well over 50 and the number keeps on increasing because we have a space probe there and it detects these. We cannot, a lot of these cannot detect them here from Earth. They're just too physically small. The Galilean moons that we're talking about, they are huge. They are all larger than our moon, or uh, I should say, and some of the largest moons in the solar system. They're huge and easily studied from from here on Earth. Uh, A quick note, when I go out with my telescopes and especially to public events or so, one of the most interesting things is to show not just Jupiter, but also on occasion when the moons are close to the edge of Jupiter, you could physically watch them actually moving. Mm. And it, it's kind of like watching not so much paint drying, but more like stirrup moving. It's not very fast, but you can tell 30 seconds there is a change. Really interesting. And this is what Galileo showed with people who come to his home. I'm sure he had some really great star yeah. parties at his place. <laughs> I would have liked to have dropped in on one. Let's take the uh, the first one. It's actually the third Galilean moon, uh, which is Jupiter 3, also known as Ganymede. Now, did yes. I pronounce that correctly? Yeah, sure okay. did, yes. That's a tough one. But uh, Ganymede, from what I understand, is the largest and most massive solar system moon that we know of. But what are some of the strange oddities of Ganymede? Well, Ganymede is, it is huge and, uh, it's not a good place to visit because it's very, very light. And the other half, about 40% is very, very dark. And it's partially because, uh, Ganymede faces towards one side, like our moon. One side is always facing towards the host body. And our moon does the same thing. That's why we always see the, if you will, the face or the man on the moon like that. Mm hmm. Same goes for Ganymede. So Ganymede uh, takes, rotates, and revolves around the uh, around the planet. A day on Ganymede is the equivalent of about a little over seven days here on Earth. So it's in synchronous rotation with Jupiter. That's one thing. But interestingly enough, Ganymede is the only moon in the solar system that has its own magnetic field. Now, you okay. may say, well, so what? That tells us what's going on potentially inside of Ganymede. Mm-hmm. Earth has a very strong magnetic field, not easily detectable with compasses. Uh, for instance, Mars really doesn't have, it has uh, 
a little bit of a magnetic field, but it's not organized. Ganymedes is organized, which would suggest that there's probably a, uh, a buried ocean inside, and therefore there's a motion inside there relative to the rotation of, of Ganymede itself uh, as it goes around Jupiter. So it's very unusual uh, to have that. It does have an atmosphere, and there's a lot of rock, naturally, and a lot mm-hmm. of ice because it's kind of cold out there. Um, but uh, those are the big items about Ganymede. It's big, magnetic field, and uh, not a lot of gravity, uh, kind of like our own moon, but it's, it's much larger, that's for sure. Sally and I were talking uh, about one of the oddities uh, that I was telling her about that I read that uh, it apparently has uh, a lot of water just under the surface, so much so that uh, according to one article, there is more water on Ganymede than there is on the entire surface of the Earth. That's Absolutely. wild. That's wild. Yeah. Well, then that's becoming, as we learn more and more through our probes going out, that uh, this is becoming more common. There's so many moons that have buried water underneath mm. there. And in many cases, it's liquid. And when you have liquid water, warm, unfrozen liquid water, uh, just like on Earth, Earth started with... Um, life forms at the bottom of the ocean at the volcanic vents down through there. Mm -hmm. And that helps spawn some of the first life forms here on earth. But we see this more and more commonly as we investigate our solar system and Ganymede is just another candidate. Let's go to Callisto now, which is uh, what was dubbed Jupiter four because it's the one farthest one out. And that is the second largest moon of Jupiter. What, else do we know about Callisto that is strange, quirky, odd, fun? Fun. Well, I'll tell you one thing fun about it. You may see the moon in science fiction quite mm-hmm. frequently because um, you build shelters on, uh, on Callisto. You can populate it because it's outside that uh, special uh, band around Jupiter that would really prohibit life. It's uh, it, so our radio, for lack of a better term, radioactivity is greatly decreased. And uh, you could set up shop on Callisto. It's uh, roughly the size of Mercury. It's not small, mm. the size mm-hmm. of a planet. And wow. it's, uh, it's larger than our own moon, that's for sure. Our moon is the fifth largest in the solar system. If you think of Wow, that's pretty big, but it's nearly the size of Australia. That's incredible. Wow. It's big. Yes. Wow. It, yeah. And again, possible salty ocean makes it potential habitat for life. Mm-hmm. You know? Now, I understand, too, that the, uh, the surface of Callisto is the most heavily cratered in the solar system. What's the deal with that? Well, when you're far from Jupiter, you have less gravitational pull than, Mm -hmm. say, if you were the moon Ganymede or Io, which is very close to Jupiter. And so Jupiter would tend to gravitationally pull in asteroids much more or collision material. So since uh, Callisto is so far over a million miles away from Jupiter, our moon is only a quarter million miles away. 
it uh, it's more likely to be impacted. And there's a lot of material out there. So I can mm, fully understand okay. why it is so heavily impacted. Just incredible amount of cratering. But in order to see that, you have to have a space probe. It's not really photographable easily from Earth, at least with any detail. So it's it's incredible. And it's also far enough away. Again, it's locked in rotationally. It's about 16, almost 17 Earth days for it to go one time, one day around the sun. So, excuse me, around Jupiter mm-hmm. and create mm-hmm. night versus day. It's, a, it's an amazing place. What do you say we go visit it? What do you say, huh? Well, it's interesting, and th- this would make a, a great transition to the fact that in 2003, NASA conducted the conceptual study called Hope Human Outer Planet Exploration. And it said that uh, potentially we could set up shop on Callisto. And they they said that a a crewed mission to Callisto might even be possible in the 2040s. That's not too far away. No, it's not. It's not. And as um, really more and more nations and corporations are becoming more involved with space program like this, and with the target going to Mars is really within our grasp. You and I will see that. Um, could we go to Callisto? It's possible. The biggest problem is the distance to get there and the time to get there. Mm-hmm. Right now, based on our technology, it will take us between seven and nine months just to get to Mars. And then, unfortunately, when you get to Mars, you're trapped there or well, well, approximately two years before you can leave, because Mars will then, at that point, move away from the Earth, or actually Earth will move away from Mars, because we move faster than the Sun than Mars does. Mm-hmm. So we have mm-hmm. to catch back up to Mars. Well, the same goes for Callisto. Uh, you have uh, limited opportunities to get there, and then you're trapped there. And until we can figure out how to go faster, that's what we're saddled with right now. Well, uh, the next go around will be the two satellites closest to Jupiter. Um, would you be able to come back uh, in the next week or so to uh, discuss those two by chance? I would love to, especially Io. It's an amazing place that we really? have with Io. Yes. One of the most volcanic places in the solar system. Absolutely. Wow. And it's still very active even today. Yeah, most volcanoes anywhere in the solar system. Truly amazing. Can't wait to talk about that. And Jay, thank you very much for your expertise. And we appreciate you. It's always fun chatting with you. And uh, we hope you'll come back often. And we know you will with the two next satellites closest to Jupiter, at least the ones that we can see easily. Right. And maybe we'll uh, be able to maybe even announce some upcoming events where you too can see these planets uh, over the summer, definitely. And so we'd love to tell you about that. Lots of opportunities. Now that it's getting warmer and spring has sprung, believe it or not. Can't wait to hear about it. Thanks, Jay. Thanks. Well, I, for one, am looking forward to hearing about some of those events coming up as we head into spring and early summer. That will give you and your family the opportunity to gaze into the heavens and to learn more about our very own backyard in terms of astronomy right here in our own solar system. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. We'll continue with this series by looking at 
The other two Galilean moons, those that are the closest to Jupiter, and as you heard Jay Reynolds talk about, Io, probably the most interesting out of all of them. This is going to be a real interesting and fun episode next Wednesday. Make sure you tell all of your friends about Weather Jazz, especially if they have an interest in astronomy, because we're doing this series right now on Science Wednesday to unravel some of the wonderful mysteries that we can find right here in our very own astronomical backyard. Make sure you tell somebody who is interested that this is the place to be, especially on Wednesdays right now. I would love to hear from you if you have a question or a topic suggestion, or you just want to say hello and let us know how it is you listen to Weather Jazz. The Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect line is always available. It's 234-525-5888, 234-525-5888. Leave your message at the prompts, and I might even use your audio on an upcoming podcast. That's kind of fun. Of course, there's always email, too. You can email me, weatherjazz at yahoo.com. Remember that I do read and or listen to every single message that comes in. However, due to the sheer volume of messages that do come in, I'm not able to respond personally to every single one of them. But you do need to know that I am reading them and I am listening to them. And I take all of your messages and suggestions very seriously. Very frequently, it steers the program. So I thank you in advance. Open Line Friday coming around on April 1st. No fooling. There'll be no jokes. Well, maybe one or two. But the Open Line Friday segments will have the propensity to kind of go in all kinds of different directions. And right now, working on a couple of things, we'll see what happens to bubble up on Friday. And I will see you then right here on Weather Jazz. Weather and science across the globe. Weather Jazz Podcast.